Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com. There's no doubt the Special Criminal Court, the existence of it in, in modern Ireland, is a, is a source of controversy. People have a right to a fair trial, that's a very fundamental principle of democracy. But there's also the reality that in the world of highly organised criminals, that non-jury courts are there to protect uh, witnesses, to protect uh, potential jury members, and they are relatively normal across Europe. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Veteran criminal Jerry the Monk Hutch has been given permission to take a High Court challenge against the jurisdiction of the Special Criminal Court to hear his trial for the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in Dublin five years ago. He claims that the decision to try him before the non-jury court is a significant curtailment of his rights. A similar challenge has also been taken by former Sinn Féin councillor Jonathan Dowdall, who's also facing trial for the murder of Byrne. But what are these challenges and what is the background to the existence of the court? Today, I'm joined by Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald to discuss the actions against the long-established court, which has investigated countless gangland crime cases in recent years. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. The headlines that Jerry the Monk Hutch has been given permission to bring a challenge to the High Court is slightly different to what we've really been seeing reported on on Hutch, the elusive crime figure uh, over the past five years. But what is he doing and um, what's his problem with being charged or being tried before the Special Criminal Court? Well, it's probably not, maybe in retrospect, it's not that surprising as Jerry Hutch has always tried novel procedures, particularly in his long-running and extremely complicated battle with, with the Criminal Assets Bureau uh, back in the past. But he's basically um, bringing a high court challenge to say that he shouldn't be tried in the non-jury special criminal court, that it's a significant curtailment of his rights, that he should be brought before a jury of his of his peers, um, and that that's the essence of it that you mm. know that that the special criminal court he he should be brought before 12 men and women from his own and they should be the people to judge him rather than a three judge panel as currently operates in the special criminal court mm. and you can sort of understand in a way why he's taking this challenge because he's taking a chance he, he's giving it a go as such or his legal team are but the special criminal court has a conviction rate or had a conviction rate of 94% in 2018. It seems like when you go in there, you're, um, you really are fighting hard for, for your freedom. Well, you are. And of, of course, you know, the, um, the, you know, obviously ordinary cases don't come before the special criminal court would be the other factor in that. But there's no doubt that, um, uh, that it, the, the trials in the, in the special criminal court have, tend to be very technical and um, people may feel that a, a jury would would look on, on things differently and uh, you know it, it, there's no doubt the special criminal court the existence of it in in modern Ireland is a, is a source of controversy and um, 
there, there's, there's obviously clearly two different things in play. People have a right to a fair trial. That's a very fundamental principle of democracy. But there's also the reality that, that uh, you know, in the world of highly organized criminals, that jury, non-jury courts are, are, are there to protect uh, witnesses, to protect uh, potential jury members, and they are relatively normal across Europe. Mm. Certainly the Marengo trial, which we have um, spoken about a lot on the podcast, where Ridwan Taji, Daniel Kinahan's former business partner, is uh, facing multiple murder charges along with 16 of his gang members. That's before a, um, an, a, a, a judge-only court. I think they actually might have five judges instead of three there um, from, from speaking to our colleagues in the Netherlands. But just to go back with Hutch... Hutch um, pretty much left Ireland around uh, February of 2016. I think the last time we saw him actually was at his brother Eddie Hutch Sr.'s funeral, a simple affair in Dublin and uh, something that happened in direct contrast to the David Byrne funeral some days previous where um, the Kinahan mob turned out in force um, and in a show of terror, actually, um, all uniformed and... um, you know, showing their power and their strength. But uh, Hutch never returned to Ireland that we know of in the, in the preceding years and was a hunted man. Absolutely. I mean, he, he um, if, you, if, you, if you look back, he was, Jerry Hutch disappeared into the ether. Um, there was always rumours that he'd been in and out of Ireland a couple of times, particularly up around the, the border area. Um, and he was meant to have spent time in 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 Holland, possibly in Turkey, you know, possibly Eastern Europe. But at some point, after going completely underground, he basically reemerged in 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 Spain, mm. um, where in, certainly in the last couple of years, he seems to have, although he was clearly taking precautions, but he was being spotted around Irish pubs mm. in Lanzarote. Um, and uh, I think I felt that any legal peril that he faced was just over and was just not going to happen. Mm. Um, following, he, he gained the, confidence really in the in the last. He gained years. confidence. Uh, he believed that he certainly would have known he was a, a target for for uh, criminal rivals. But I think he felt that the the state following. Uh, the acquittal of his of his nephew uh, Patrick Hutch, I think he believed, and the the ultimate the collapse of that case to do with the Regency uh, Hotel shooting in which Patrick Hutch was was um, was acquitted, that he felt that he was uh, that side of his worries were over. Mm. Um, so he was living in Spain. He was registering businesses. He owned property on the property register, um, but sometime. Um, Earlier this year, he became aware. Obviously, the guards had, had maybe uh, they they reinvigorated their investigation mm. into the Regency Hotel, and he became aware of this or became concerned about this, and then went into hiding. Certainly, when Jonathan Dowdall was charged before the uh, special criminal court in relation to the murder of um, David Byrne, he must have been aware that that investigation was pretty robust. Absolutely. And I mean, there was always the belief that because of the, the, the previous trial that the guards wouldn't pursue it. 
but it did become clear that they were going to absolutely pursue it and that there was uh, a wealth of evidence there, <clears throat> a lot of it through CCTV and phone traffic, that type of stuff and, and mm. possible recordings we will see. Um, but that, that, and that Jerry Hutch was the ultimate, the prime target of that investigation. At some time last August, um, there was a leak onto social media that there was an arrest warrant in place, a European arrest warrant in place for uh, Jerry the Monk Hutch. What we do now know is that uh, he was under surveillance last August by the Spanish police when he flew into Malaga um, from one of the Balearic Islands and he was due to fly back out, but the arrest was planned on his return and he never showed up at the airport. So he he got wind that there was this European arrest warrant, very embarrassing for police forces concerned, and he went to ground. Um, eventually he was arrested in uh, Fungarola when he put his head out of an apartment to go and have a meal in a restaurant. Yeah, so he he, he flew into Malaga on his own passport with, you know, Jared Hutch um, so there was no, uh, you know, as he was moving around at that point. Um, but at that time, obviously on Twitter, it was quite amazing, really, when you look back on it, that that um, the details of what was going to happen, uh, you know, very specific details were being posted on Twitter on a, a, a Phoenix Park Zoo, I think was the name mm. of the page, uh, with pictures of Garda headquarters. And uh, Jerry Hutch obviously knew then he was... You know, at that point, the word was out, and he um, he flew in uh, to Malaga, tried to go underground into into an an offside apartment. Um, He'd obviously acquired a a, a passport in the Eastern European name, and seems to have been uh, waiting for the right opportunity, but certainly waited too long. Mm. um, Got stuck. Got stuck. Got spotted. Got became under surveillance. Um, and the, the Spanish police waited and took their time mm. and arrested him when he stepped out to go for a go for a, a meal in a restaurant. Mm. Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> Pizzas are never worth it. <laughs> um, so he was arrested, which was huge news, went into custody in Spain, and we awaited news whether he was going to fight his extradition, which he did and failed, and was returned here in October. Now, I suppose the reason we're going through that again is just to point out that He's had time, or he had time, certainly, to think. He always had time to think that this the day could come when he was before the Special Criminal Court. So he's obviously had years, and in particular, those few months, uh, to concentrate his mind on what he could do in order to um, increase his chances of, if he's, go- if he's going to plead not guilty in relation to the murder of David Byrne, and very few people plead guilty to murder because it carries a mandatory life sentence, um, you know, what what he could do to try and try and thwart that. So um, while a lot of these cases, these challenges you hear are coming from the minds of lawyers and it is their job to challenge the law all the time, to represent their clients to the best of their ability and to try and find ways of um, reducing their, their, their risk before the courts, I think probably Hutch would be a brain coming into this challenge. I mean, I have to say, I would, I would think that he has a a, a, a a part to play in the thinking of challenging the special. Yes, and he may feel, um, and maybe not without justification, that uh, a jury of his peers. I mean, Jerry Hutch is 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 
you know, so famous and, you know, is a funny public perception of him, a quite a mixed public perception considering mm. the fact that he has has known as an organized crime figure. You may feel that that would be to his advantage. But also there is a there is an issue with the special criminal court. He's not alone in it's not just Jerry Hutch doesn't like it. Uh, other people don't like it. Other people defend it strongly. Um, you know, so it was it was founded obviously in in 1972 um, under the Offences of Against the State Act. This is obviously as the troubles really started to to mm. to become a you know to, big problem to, to the security. A, a of big the state. problem to the security of the state. Again, the state were behind behind the curve really as. The, the huge level of violence erupted in the north. You know, the, the provisional IRA were also operating down south. Um, I think there was a state of, maybe a state of, of panic that that mm. that the ordinary courts weren't able to deal with these people. Obviously, the provosts were, you know... Terrorists. Terrorists also showed themselves willing to directly attack the state. Mm. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. So it came into... Into being at that point, I imagine it was maybe people didn't envisage it still be there mm. all these years later. It was um, brought in under that temporary emergency legislation, which we've heard in recent years that some of the the legislation around COVID and stuff have been brought in. But it, you know, we're no legal minds now. <laughs> no, it does no, seem quite no. amazing that it's still there under temporary emergency legislation from 1972. That was before I was born. Yeah, so I mean, look, this is this is the um, this is the, the the source of controversy, I, I suppose, um, because as the obviously in the the middle of 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 the troubles, um, I don't think for the for a long time the only people that came before the court were subversives, mm. um, you know, by their nature trying to subvert the state, um, you know. So, but as time has gone on. Um, obviously, through the peace process, uh, the the you know the fact that the provisionals are no longer in operation in that way, that basically when Veronica Guerin was shot, mm. we had a new wave of organised criminals coming before the special criminal court. Um, the Gilligan Gang, I think, were the first actual organised criminals to be brought before the court, which was at that point down in Green Street. Yeah, so, and they were brought in because there was two members of that, former members of that gang who were giving evidence as so-called supergrasses. And they their lives were under threat. And um, there was snipers on the roof of the building at that time. They were just... So, yeah. I mean, the new courts building, obviously, witnesses, etc., can go in underneath them. It's much more purpose-built. But the, the Green Street Court was, you know in the middle of a, a, yeah. an active and growing city and a changing a city that had changed so much since it had been previously built, but um, it wasn't really fit for purpose, although it was used then. Um, the Hutch says that the Oireachtas has failed to enact legislation to permit it as a permanent court. And by the way, we should say that Jonathan Dowdall is also taking the same High Court challenge. Um, so the two of them are... are, are really going for the constitutionality of all this. Um, he's saying his rights are breached, his rights to a fair trial mainly. He wants to be tried before a judge and jury. The trial would be unlawful and is outside the powers of this 1939 Offences Against the State Act. Um, the Oireachtas Commission has already sought Dáil and Shannon approval to fight this challenge. 
so the state is going to robustly fight this. Yeah, it is going to robustly fight it. And, you know, from the state's perspective, which is, I, I think, a, an accurate perspective, is that, you know, that all uh, countries in, in the West have had to take um, new measures to cope with the threat of organised criminality. Um, it's not proved to be... Uh, it's it's not proved to be sufficient almost anywhere that to, the the threat of modern organized crime is sufficient um to 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 justify um certain more extreme measures i suppose in terms of 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 you know in terms of juries and stuff like that also you know this 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 court has existed for a long time um you know it's a, there's three judges there um obviously there's a high conviction rate there's no doubt about that um of but you know the fact that that a judge hears a trial cannot be judged to say that that means that they don't automatically get a fair hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see many of the people who've come before the the special criminal court as part of the the operation against the Keenan Hutch feud, I mean, there's been a lot of guilty pleas. Ultimately, there have. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of them have have ultimately maybe initially resisted, but have pled guilty. Um, so the idea that they're not getting a fair trial, mm. you know, it doesn't really make sense because mm. once this evidence is being put before defendants in books of evidence, they see the list maybe of technical evidence, guard of witnesses, um, you know, etc. They are then choosing to plead guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the the points of real controversy of the special criminal court over the years and many human rights um, organizations have criticised it for because a guard of super... During sub, trials of subversives, mostly the IRA, maybe the INLA, um, guard superintendents were able to give evidence that that they believed this person to be a member of Ogla Naharan or the IRA. Um, and that was taken as being uh, something of substance. Um, people objected to that, saying, you know, how can that be? They don't have to really justify it, I suppose, to an extent. Um, there's also, they were allowed uh give intelligence information without detailing the sources of it. So they can refuse to give documents to the defence. Yes. And that, that has been a source of huge controversy, obviously. You know, the state obviously take these measures. They're, they're, they're legally enacted by the Oireachtas, etc. Uh, but, you know, um, that has been a source of controversy. But in fairness, you have not seen that in the organised crime uh, trials um, that have come before the courts recently. It's it's very traditional evidence for the most part that is mm. presented. Um, so, yeah, very robust CCTV evidence and phone evidence and witness evidence. I mean, I've seen... And of course, criminals challenge everything. I mean, I recall during um, Freddie Thompson's trial for the murder of David Douglas. At one point, he was arguing that his civil rights had been breached because CCTV evidence had been collected uh, of him driving around the city while he was sort of circling this man yeah. in yeah. order to murder yeah. him. Yeah. That it he was outraged well, that, you know, his human rights were breached because the CCTV had well, been collected. Everybody loves throwing in a bit of GDPR complaints yeah. when, when they get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I think you do too, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, in, in fact, which, 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 you know, if, if Freddie Thompson, you know, because of the fact that he was on trial for murder, mm. you know, 
there is a leeway in law. Now, again, I'm not a legal uh, scholar, as you know, <laughs> but there is, you know, when investigating something as serious as a murder, you know, that 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 is taken into account that this evidence, you know, has can be presented where mm. you might not you might not be able to, um, you know, display a picture of Freddie Thompson from your CCTV in your house just for the sake of it. But when it comes to a murder trial, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry Hutchell, he'll be back in the new year um, and there, there'll be a judicial hearing, mm. probably a judicial review, probably take place over two to three days. Um, yeah, that'll be difficult for the us normal people to understand, but we will try and get some legal minds in to to explain that to us when it happens. I suppose just to say that Sinn Féin have been, out, you know, very outspoken about the Special Criminal Court and have called for it again and again to be abolished. They have changed their tune of late and they're coming at it in a softer way now, saying that uh, it should be there in exceptional circumstances, which they haven't detailed what exceptional circumstances are. The Irish Council for Civil Liberties have called for the abolition of the court. They say it's also been criticised by amnesty, something that's thrown around a lot, but I can never actually find the actual criticism. But um, they don't like, again, this use of belief evidence, the failure to disclose evidence and the taking away the right to trial by jury. Um, Their director, Liam Herrick, has said the right to trial by jury is at the heart of our constitutional rights and the protection of the Constitution. He doesn't believe jury intimidation is widespread. Yeah, well, I mean, jury intimidation may not be widespread, but it certainly does occur. Um, And it may not be widespread, Mr. Herrick, because uh, 136 cases uh, connected to organised crime have been held before the Special Criminal Court where there's no jury in, in 2020. So, you know, I mean, that is... Look, well, this is true. Jury intimidation has happened. We know of it in in many cases involving organised criminals. It's yeah, exactly what it has, they do. It has happened, and not to get into specific trials, but mm. there have been worrying uh, worrying cases. And you know, um, it, the idea that it just doesn't happen or can't happen, I think, mm. is quite naive. So the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission has come in recently as well to back saying it should be abolished. Um, If any of these cases, the High Court cases, are successful, um, presumably it'll be ultimately the Supreme Court that decides, but the Special Criminal Court will be no more. Um, Now, the government are obviously a bit concerned about, I'd say, the use of it, the increase in use of the Special Criminal Court, which has increased fivefold in the past five years. In 2015, there was 45 cases held before it and 136 last year. So... Helen McEntee, the Justice Minister, last February, um, ordered a major review of all aspects uh, of the laws underpinning the Special Criminal Court, and that is underway. Now, there seems to be some talk of, you know, maybe um, looking at ways of of maybe changing it a bit rather than abolishing it, and they're talking about using anonymised juries, that, you know, there'd be video links for juries housed in secure locations and stuff like that. I'm not sure that sort of thing is happening yet anywhere else, but there certainly is opportunities for that. And, you know, there's all this deep fake technology now for... Yeah, but the, I mean, tech, um, certainly the, the technology makes a difference in, in, in many of these things. Um, but of course, you know, the, the uh, it, somebody has a right to a defence and as part of that defence, they have a, a right to know about who's on the jury, mm. etc. So, I mean, 
I think that the Special Criminal Court is probably here to stay. Reforms may well occur. Um, Certainly, as it was constituted and set up to do with with the the, the threat of subversives, that's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I would not uh, bet my uh, lunch money that it's not going to be the Special Criminal Court stays are numbered. And ironically, sometimes it's uh, it's some of our more high-profile criminal friends and their challenges to all these um, legislations around um, arms of the state that actually make them more robust in the end. Absolutely. Um, I, we have John I, Gilligan, I think, to thank for the the, uh, the Criminal Assets Bureau, the legislation around them being quite as strong as it is. Exactly. The state is always going to adapt and move uh, to deal with these threats and as it should. Niall Donald, thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com.